I've been meaning to review this for days and now I've finally got the time. Uh, this is The Nest, uh, reviewing The Nest, directed by Sean Durkin and a film I've been constantly going on about for years and years and years uh, because it was where I first came across Elizabeth Olsen, which is absolutely phenomenal in it. And I think the world kind of came across her in this film was he's the director of Martha, Martha Marcy May Marlene, which was a film about a young girl who essentially uh, kind of gets sort of sucked into an abusive cult and it's about her experiences and her escape and her trying to get out of that. Um, so this is The Nest. It stars Jude Law and Carrie Coon. Uh, it's billed as a psychological thriller. And I have to say, if you watch the trailer, uh, which I saw a couple of times at the cinema before going to see it, it's quite a moody, dour, kind of very dark and sort of grainy sort of affair that you would be forgiven for thinking this is in many ways a sort of gothic, could be a gothic horror. This is about uh, Rory O'Hara, who is played by Jude Law, who's a, you know, he's a, in the 80s, he's a banker, he's in America, he's trades in stocks, he's a trader, he strikes deals, he brokers deals, he buys equities, he buys, sells equities, you know, think think pork scratchings and all that from trading places. He does all of that city city business stuff, city slicker stuff. Wall Street, all that, but this is in the 80s. Um, and it's, it starts in America, and he's got his wife, and she has a child, a daughter from a previous marriage, and they have their own son together. So it's a family of four. Um, and he immediately, the film starts with him saying, look, we need to move house. And we, it's quite kind of revealed to us quite quickly that this isn't new. They move house quite often. They've done it seven times in something like 10 years. It's quite a few times. Um, he's a charmer. He's, he, can shoot, he, can, he can shoot the breeze, he can talk his way out of things, he, he's great at showing off, he, but he, it's revealed to us quite quickly that he likes to win, he's a social climber, even if he's play, playing a game of football with his kids in the back garden, he wants to win the goal, you know, all that kind of stuff. So he's got that sort of 80s kind of go get it, that's right, you know, I want to win, win, win. And what happens in this film is, it, it's at times I was reminded of, do you remember the Walter Mitty story where, I, I don't remember the original Walter Mitty, but we always say he's a bit of a Walter Mitty, i.e. he's here, but we don't really know what his background is. Did he have a background? Does he actually exist? Is he real? What, what's going on here? And, and so you begin to realise quite quickly that this guy, this character, Jude Law, is, um, or what's his name? Rory O'Hara, uh, that he's... His, his profile and his status, if you like, in the city is built upon a lot of, not necessarily hot air, because he's a good talker and he's obviously a good broker. That's what he's a stockbroker. Um, but it's built on a sort of ever more fragile house of cards that at all stages has no foundations or substance beneath it. So... You know, he's essentially, he's dealing with vast amounts of money at work, but he's never got any money in his pocket to pay for the simplest of things. You know, they rent this huge house. And I think if there's one problem I had with this film, I had a slight problem with this film, was the, was the believability of his access to certain things, like this enormous house that they're renting, versus his uh, apparent lack of finances to be able to do anything else. So he brings all his family over to the UK, he rejoins a brokering, stock brokering firm in London. He's the big I am again. They're going to parties. He shows off. He kind of talks his way above his station. He says he's got this, that and the other when he hasn't. He says he goes to the National Theatre when he's never been to the theatre. He says he drives a certain car when he hasn't had that car. Do you know what I mean? He's kind of, he's a bit delusional. Well, he is delusional, totally delusional. 
But this is where I think, and, and, and I love Jude Law, and I think he's very good in this. He's, he, he's very strong. It suits him very well. I mean, I'm not saying he's like that in real life, but there's a, there's a sort of, there's a sort of smart ass kind of, you know, quipping, kind of darting sort of efficiency to his character that I can well imagine Jude Law has a bit of in his real life, uh, in real life. But the real, for me, the gem of this film, the gem of this film is Carrie Coon. And Carrie Coon is quite something. I've never come across her apart from the fact that she was in Fargo. I don't, I don't remember which character she was in Fargo. Maybe she was the wife of Jesse Plemons, I don't know. Um, she is remarkable. Their marriage is remarkable. You ask questions about whether she would stay with him, but you, through her eyes, you see her trust, you see her belief, you see her wanting to believe what Jude Law is saying of himself to her, and so she buys into it. And then slowly you see the mirage, if you like, that he's constructed about himself around her. You see the mirage start to fall away. You know, they, they, they're in this big, as I say, sort of Tudor house that he's rented for a year in the UK. His money runs lower. He starts borrowing her money more. She, you know, the two kids are being left on their own more. She, her passion, Carrie Coon's passion is that her horse and riding, terrible things happen to the horse. And so slowly across the arc of the film, the, the, the house and the family fall into dis, fall, literally fall into disrepair. You know, the boy feels more and more sort of on his own. The daughter is a teenage daughter. The boy's going to a school which he doesn't like. It's a high paying, highly expensive, highly competitive academic school. Um, and then the young girl is sort of hanging out with lots of locals in the area that they're living. And, uh, you know, we're looking at the 80s, people are sort of sniffing glue and taking speed and all this kind of stuff. And so they're essentially, they're losing control of their kids. They're losing control of the family. And Jude Law is getting more and more stressed. And you may have seen in the trailer, he, he, you know, he's a man on the edge. And he's, it's all about ego. This film is all about his ego. It's also about Carrie Coon, the wife's ego, how she wanted to and had a vested interest in seeing what she saw, you know, what he thought he saw in himself and what others saw in him. Because if she was to court the idea that it wasn't the case, the whole house of cards, so to speak, would come tumbling down on top of them. And so... You know, for me, this film was at its richest watching Carrie Coon because, of course, it starts to dawn on her that actually he isn't the big I am. He isn't this hugely successful guy in the city. And in fact, uh, she starts to relish picking it apart and showing him up in the middle of business lunches. And it's very clever, actually. It's like a it's like an 80s stock market driven horror story, really, as you see this man sort of just slowly fall further and further down the rungs of self-respect and self-esteem until eventually he's got nowhere to turn. He's literally running out of options, running out of money and running out of running out of any kind of credibility with his family. And it again, spoiler, if you want to avoid the spoiler spoiler alert here, you know, and in a weird way, this film, he achieves his his freedom, if you like, his greatest freedom and his true release <clears throat> from the shackles of self-deceit and and bravura and and fictionalized ideas of himself and and his family he feels he gets the most release when he lets go and in 12-step programming parlance let's go and let's god collapses weakened and broken but what's good about this film is it's an incredibly i mean i did what i sat there wondering why would you want to make this film what a curious film to want to make i mean i can't see it zinging off the page i want to make a film about <clears throat> a sort of you know 30 30 something 
guy who thinks he can make it in the city, can't really make it, uh, and then his marriage sort of falls apart, but then they kind of pull it back together at the end. It's uneven, it's not a massively, I, I don't think it succeeds in every department this film, but it is a curiously unsettling, <clears throat> a curiously icky film, and it's quite a fascinating portrait of the wool being pulled over a wife's eyes and then the wool being pulled back, so to speak. Um, and all the time shot, I presume, in absolute naturally occurring light because sometimes it was so dark, you were struggling <clears throat> what to see. But that, lent a real, that really lent some strength to the wife's sense of alienation and isolation um, and her, her feeling that she's on her own. You did, really did feel she was on her own. You felt her vulnerability. Um, and and you and yet at the same time you felt Jude Law's vulnerability. You know, at one point he he says I had millions, and then he's in a cab and he can't afford to pay for the cab to go home. So you know, there's 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 all of that stuff around having it all and having nothing. And who are you? What do you have in yourself? What is your own? What is sustaining you? And this is a portrait of a man who Jude Law plays very well actually, who has nothing that self sustains. I mean, it's all show. It's all lies. It's all the big I am when he can't follow through. A uh, brilliant moment in a restaurant where she. She just, uh, she orders the most expensive bottle of wine to prove that he hasn't got enough money to buy it and just drinks it out of the bottle. I mean, Carrie Coon's performance in this is absolutely top notch. She should be nominated for something. You know, she she kind of, she, she, she misses Havisham, is it? She sort of verges off towards madness. She comes back, she's, 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 she wants to sort of get payback. There's a bit of, there's a revenge sort of thriller in there too. Uh, the kids are great, you know, you feel a real sense of them just being ignored. And, and so there's a real, it's a haunting film. It's like a ghost story without there being any ghosts, but the ghostliness surrounds a projected image of both Jude Law himself and a projected image of his wife. They, they project their own ghosts outside of themselves in a sense. And in a, in a way, their ghosts are less frightening than them. And so this is a sort of, it's almost like a reverse ghost story with the ghosts of the characters and they're sort of haunting themselves. They're both haunted by themselves. And that is a real thing. And you know, there's a point where the horse dies and the whole, all the family, the family are haunted. And so it is, it's like a haunted house in the end of this film. So the nest is quite a nice title because it, the nest suggests homeliness, brought togetherness, warmth, self-sustainability. There's nothing about that about this. They're all, all four of them are going in different directions. The two kids, the, 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 the husband and wife, which is why in many regards, without giving away too much of the ending, I found the ending a little bit trite and it almost diminished how complicated the rest of the film was. But I'd be curious to know what you think. What do you think? Do you think the ending sort of sustained that notion or do you think the ending was a bit too much of a sort of band-aid on what was quite a complex, I think, uh, film? Oh, and what would I give it? Ooh, I'd probably give it 85 out of 100. <laughs>